Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. Good to see everybody here in person and those of you joining us online as well. We're so happy that you could join us, especially if you are online. Maybe you try to get yourself a ticket, but unfortunately, we only have 100 50 people capacity allowed by the government, and we want to definitely comply. So whether you are here in person or joining us online, we're so happy that you could join in today. And you are, people online, are as much as uh, this gathering, this conversation right now as the people who are here in person. So make sure you write your comments. Make sure you talk to us. If you have any prayer requests, any thought, make sure you write on the comment section, and we'd love to interact with you and engage with you as well. Wonderful. Before I continue with today's message, I just want to say uh, how heartbreaking it is for all of us to hear the, uh, what's happening in Ukraine. And sometimes, you know, when we read news like that, uh, our hearts can be numb. Hey? Uh, it's just an event for us. It's just another crisis. Um, until someone like Olga shared something so personal then we realize that this is actually real. Uh, I don't know uh, if you re- um, know or not, but Olga is a member of our church. You might have seen her in the past cel- the Rock Celebrate Christmas celebration for a few years. And uh, it's not until someone that you know who actually has a family member and, you know, parents, friends who are suffering, then you realize that this is actually real. Uh, whatever your political persuasion is, whatever you think about this war, whether it's just or unjust, but the children especially are the least responsible for the conflict that's happening in Ukraine right now. The civilian, the women and children and just regular people, they were not responsible for this conflict, for this war. And to hear them having to flee their home in extreme weather, exposing themselves to injuries and sickness and lack of food, lack of water, is really, really heartbreaking. So I want to encourage every single one of you to be generous. Those of you joining us online, you can also give online. Just go to therocks.info. I want you to dig deep. I want you to realize how blessed we are living in this country, far from all these tragedies. Um, so our brothers and sisters in Queensland, in New South Wales, in Ukraine, They all need our help, and this is the time where the church must shine, hey? This is the time where we actually put our faith into practice, and and let us be known for, like Peter said, for what we are for, that we are for them. We're going to stand hand in hand with them. So for those of you who have been giving regularly, maybe you want to give a little bit extra this time, because like Peter said, 100% of our offering today will go toward these people, 100%. Um, I'm so, so glad that we belong to such a generous community and you should be proud of that as well so again throughout this day it's not too late for you to for those of you who catch this maybe a bit later on it's not too late for you to give your offering online and every single cent will go toward uh, these amazing people who need our help right now okay right so let's shift gear how many of you know what is the most profitable, the most successful company in the world today? Do you know? What is the biggest? Two questions. What is the biggest and most successful company in the world today? I'll give you a hint. 
this company has fruit in its name. Apple, that's right, Apple. This, this number will, will boggle your mind, okay? Apple, as a company, has a market cap of $2.2 trillion. In 2020, their net profit alone is $51.5 billion. This is net profit, not gross profit. This is after expenses, after investment and all that. Their net profit in 2020, 2020 is still $51.5 billion. For comparison, Facebook, another successful company, in 2020, their net profit is a meager $29 billion. And Amazon, you think Amazon is big and great. You're right. But in 2020, their net income is only $21 billion US dollars. So if you combine the net income of Facebook and Amazon, Apple still outperformed them by $1.5 billion. Think about that. That's how huge Apple is. And I know Pastor Mike is really, really proud of that fact right now. Okay, but, but Apple has not always been that big. See, for a long time, Apple was a struggling company. They were struggling to survive. For the longest time, Apple had to play second fiddle to Microsoft, to IBM, until the year 1997, where Apple launched this huge, very successful advertising campaign that won numerous awards and is included in the Advertising Hall of Fame. That's right, I didn't realize there is such a thing as an Advertising Hall of Fame. And this ad, this campaign is included in that Advertising Hall of Fame. And the campaign is simply known as the Think Different campaign. When it was first launched, people didn't realize how good it was. A lot of marketing experts, they thought, this is a stupid campaign. Why do you spend millions and millions of dollars advertising your company and you don't even show your products? You don't even show the specs of your computers. What's good is, why do you do that? And this is the genius of the thing, different campaign because they do their campaign different from everybody else to show that their products, that their philosophy of why they do computers is also different from everybody else. So instead of showing their products, they put images of famous people, people who are rock stars in their respective fields, people like Einstein, Miles Davis. I don't know if you recognize some of those faces. I see Lucille Ball. I see Jimi Hendrix. I see Lennon. I see Ali. People who are great in their respective fields and these people are great because they think different. So the reason why Apple did the campaign is not only to sell their products, not only to explain to people why they do what they do, why their product is different than everybody else's, but it, they're also doing this campaign to push, to help people push against the current thinking of the day, to encourage people to be creative, to encourage people to think different just like Apple as a company is the company that think different. So the reason why I brought this up, you might be wondering, like, why do you bring this up? Why do you use this as an opener for your sermon? Well, I believe this has a lot to do with our four-perth movement that we're trying to create right now. 
for Perth is intended not only to help our community, but for Perth is here to help people to think different about God. We want our community to think different about God. Why? Because a lot of people in our community, they don't have the right perception, they don't have the right thinking about God like we followers of Jesus Christ do. And that's why it is so important for us to do this campaign, to do and start this movement because I believe there's a huge need in our community right now to think differently about God. Why? Because the God that people believe, the God that people know, usually is not the God that we know from the Bible, right? They believe in this angry God. They believe in a, in a wrathful God. They, be, they believe in a vengeful God. They believe in a, in a God that has no joy, that doesn't allow us the freedom to be who we are. They believe this wrong stuff about God, and we are here, I believe, as a church to help them think different about God. And the reason why they think so wrongly about God, unfortunately, partly to blame, is the church. Why would they think different about God? Because the church has been proclaiming the God that is not the God that we know, the God that Jesus shows. And that's the reason why a lot of people are so against God. The people say, no, I'm, I don't want to have anything to do with God because the church has been proclaiming this message that God is out to get you, that you have to get your life right, or God will punish you, or God will come and dis destroy your family, or whatever it is. No, that is not the God that we worship. So I don't want us to continuously perpetuate this wrong idea, this wrong thinking about God, because for far too long, for far too long, the church has been known for what we are against, right? For far too long, people think that the church is always against this, against that. For far too long, people think that the church doesn't like this, the church doesn't like that, and we don't want that to continue. I don't know about you, but I don't want that to continue, we want the church to be known for what we are for rather than for what we are against, okay? We want them to think different about church and hence they think different about God. Unfortunately, people in our community, I'm looking at the statistic uh, right now, there are over 94,000 people in the city of Canning right now and many of them don't have the same understanding of God like you do like I do, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, all right? You know how many of these 94,000 people attend church once a month? Less than 8,000 people. That means 86,000 people in our community, they don't even go to church once a month. They don't even go to church, basically. 86,000 of them. Why? Because they don't believe in the God that you believe. They don't think that as a church, we have anything to offer them. Because all they hear from us is a message of condemnation. All they hear from us, us is that we're against this, we're against that. Yeah? And the reason why that is the case is because they believe that we have written them off. The people have written us off because they believe, unfortunately, that the church has written them off. Why wouldn't? they write off the church. Because if the message that we're proclaiming 
is that God is the God who is all-knowing. God is the God who is holy. God is the God who is righteous. And the all-knowing God and the all-holy God will know everything that is to know about you. He knows everything that is in your closet that you are hiding from people. Why would I want to worship this God? I know myself. I know what I'm hiding in my closet. I don't want people to know. And if God knows it and He's holy and He's going to judge me for it, I don't want to have anything to do with this God, right? Or other people take a different approach. They get on this treadmill known as religion and they work their hardest to be a good person, right? And then they keep running, they keep running, they keep trying, they keep trying until they get off that treadmill or they fall off from that treadmill only to get back again on this exhausting attempt to earn God's love, to earn God's favor, to earn God's forgiveness. And then they realize after some time, this is not working. I'm exhausted. I keep trying and that religion may include Christianity too. It's hard to be a Christian. It's hard to, to follow all the rules that my church is telling me to do. I can't do this. I can't be a follower of Jesus. I can't be a Christian or whatever religion that you're trying, you know, your hardest to please God with. After some time, you're thinking to yourself, hang on, this is not actually working for me. No thanks. This is my end of the line. I'm going to say no to God now. I'm going to say no to Jesus now. I don't know about you, but that is not acceptable to me, thinking like that. You know why? Because I used to think like that. I used to think that I have to earn God's love and forgiveness and favor. I have to try my hardest. Otherwise, God is going to out and get me. And that kind of thinking, I knew, I still remember vividly how condemned I felt. I knew how bad I felt and how much struggle I had in order to try to please this God that is actually not like that at all, right? And now that I know better, now that I have experienced the amazing love and grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ that is absolutely free, to me it is not acceptable that 86,000 people in our community believe in the wrong kind of God. I hope if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that will not be acceptable to you as well, right? Because that is not the God that we know. That is not the God that we worship. Now, this morning, whether you're joining us online or in person, if you think this way about God, okay, maybe this is what you've been taught. Maybe you even grew up in church. Maybe you grew up with Christian parents, but your Christian parents and your church have been telling you all this different or wrong ideas about God. So you never felt accepted in church. You never accepted in your own home. You always feel condemned. You always feel that you have to uh, jump through hoops and, and kick goals in order to be accepted by your own parents, in order to be accepted by your own church. This morning, I have good news for you. There is a reason for you to think different about God, all right? I'm gonna give you a compelling reason today from the Scriptures why you should think different about God. And in order for me to do that, I need to take you back all the way to several thousand years ago when God introduced Himself to the people of Israel, to the Hebrew people. God introduced Himself with this wonderful name that we translate in the, into the English language as Yahweh. 
Now, this word Yahweh is known in theology as tetragrammaton. Simply means four-letter word. It actually, that's what it means. It's a four-letter word. It's a four-letter word in Hebrew language with four different Hebrew letters. You read it from right to left if, you are, uh, if you're reading Hebrew. So you, we have this first character called Yod, and then we have Hat, and then we have Vav, and then we have Hat again. And when you combine these four letters, you read it Yahweh. And Yahweh, a lot of people don't realize, is actually a very personal name for God. God wants to be known by this name because God wants to relate to His people. See, there are different names for God. If you read the book of Genesis, for example, in the story of creation, the writer used a different name for God in the story of creation. God is known there as Elohim, as the powerful, mighty, creative being, this, this amazing being who created this world out of nothing. His Elohim. But God doesn't want to be known as Elohim, as just a powerful God. God wants to be known as a personal God. This God, is, this God has a name, and His name is Yahweh. So when you read Psalm 23, for example, the Psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd. The word is Yahweh. Yahweh is my shepherd, not Elohim. He might be Elohim. He might be a creative, powerful, almighty being, but Yahweh is my shepherd. This personal God is my shepherd. But guess what? We sinful people, because of our sin, because of the separation that we created for ourselves from God, even the name Yahweh is actually quite fearful for us. People of Israel, they don't dare <laughs> to pronounce this name Yahweh. They feel like, hey, this God is so holy, you better be careful, you better not, you know, take His name in vain. So when you read the word Yahweh, they don't dare to say it out loud. Do you know that? Even when, uh, when the Bible uh, uh, transcribers, when they copy the Bible, when they come across the word Yahweh, they have to stop. Literally, they have to stop, wash their hand, and come back and write that word again because that word is so holy for them, they are fearful of that name. Not because God is fearful, but it's their own sin that creates that fear. They don't dare to pronounce Yahweh. So, one of the ways they go around it is they replace it with another word. And that other word is Adonai. I don't know if you have heard that word before. God is Adonai, meaning Lord or Kurios in the Greek. So, they are so fearful of God. The idea of God is so messed up, basically, Right? The idea of God is so messed up, they look at God through the lens of their sin and they separate themselves from God. Even though God's desire for announcing His name is actually to be close to us, we don't even see it that way. We see it as something that separates us from Him that we need to be careful of. So, for thousands of years, people don't dare to pronounce God's name. And then, a few thousand years later, Jesus came along, and Jesus basically gave all of us a think-different moment. Jesus gave us a different handle how we should approach this God. He basically told everybody that God and I are one. Uh, my, my mission is to do the will of Him who sent me. If you have seen me, you've seen this great creator God. 
And at one point, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, knowing how, how different Jesus is from everybody else, how close he is to God, and they can see the miracle works that he did. They could just feel the different teaching, you know, coming from Jesus. They came to Jesus and asked, Jesus, please teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Because we see that you are very close to this God. Teach us how to pray. And this is where the think different moment about God happened. It must have shocked everybody who heard Jesus at the time. This is what Jesus said. In Luke 11 verse 2, he said to them, When you pray, say this, Not Elohim, not Yahweh, not Adonai. Those are wonderful. But here's how you should approach him. Call him Father. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Whoa, 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 Jesus, are you sure? This is like, no, 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 Jesus, that, that can't be. You know, that can't be. It's like this is a big no-no. This God is powerful. This God is amazing. This God is holy. This God is righteous. You know, we are nothing but sinful human beings. We can't call him Father. You can call him Father because you're good. But are you sure we can call him Father and Jesus said, yes, you can. Definitely, yes, you can. So talk about think different moment. Not only Jesus said, you can actually call him Yahweh. You know, you don't have to be afraid of this name. You don't have to be afraid to pronounce the name Elohim or I don't know. You, you can do all that, but I can do you one better. I can do you one better. Call him Father. And in case people think that uh, Jesus didn't really mean it. Maybe it was an accident, slip of the tongue from Jesus. Yeah, it's all right for you, Jesus, but what about us? You know, time and time and time and time again, Jesus explained to make sure that they got the idea. At one point, Jesus said, which of you, fathers, even though you are not perfect, even though you may be evil, but you want to give good gifts to your children, right? No matter how bad you are, you wouldn't give a stone for your sons who ask for bread. You wouldn't give snake for those of your children who ask for uh, fish, right? You will do what is right. You want to give good gifts to your children. How much more your heavenly father? And then for those who are worried that, I don't know if God will accept me because I ran away from God. I didn't think very highly of Him. I was pretty rude to God. I, you know, like clenched my fist against God. I ran away. Jesus said, hey, your father still loves you. And he told a story of a father with two sons. The younger one ran away from home after, you know, receiving inheritance from his father. He actually demanded the inheritance from his father, ran away, squandered everything, wasted all the money to the point that he was so hungry, he couldn't eat anything. And he decided out of selfishness, I better go back to my father's house. Because in my father's house, there's plenty of food. Even the servants eat better food than me over here. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go back and ask him to receive me back, not as a son, but as his slave. I want to be his slave so that I can eat, basically. And in order to do that, he knew he'd done his father wrong. He prepared a speech. Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just make me one of your slaves. Please, I just want to eat. I'm hungry. So he prepared this speech very carefully, memorized it along the way. 
But when his father saw him coming home from afar, his father approached him, didn't care about the speech, hugged him, kissed him, you know, asked his servants to put rope uh, around on him, to put sandals on his feet, to put a ring on his finger, basically restoring his sonship back. And he didn't want to have anything to do with the speech. He said, oh, I'm so happy you're home. I'm so happy you're home. Welcome home, my son. I love you so much. I love you so much. I've been waiting for this day for you to come home. In case some of you here are wondering whether it's too late or not for you to come home, Jesus said, it's never too late. In fact, your heavenly Father right now is waiting for you. He's on the lookout for you to come home, to come back to Him. Do you know that? And for those of you who are struggling right now, we've just heard from Olga, the war in Ukraine, the flooding in Queensland. You know, this is just two of the many disasters around the world. People are still hungry in some parts of the world. And you're wondering, you lost your loved ones, you know. Some of you are in depression. Some of you are like, there's so much struggle living in this sinful world. What do we do? What hope do we have? And Jesus said in John 14, don't worry. Don't worry. For those of you who wonder where you're going to spend eternity when you die, Jesus said, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. How? Jesus said this, because in my Father's house, there are many rooms. In your Father's house, there are many rooms. So there's enough room for you, Diego. There's enough room for you, Peter. There's enough room in heaven for everybody because your Father has no desire more than for you to come home to be with Him. And that's the future that is waiting for us. So in case you wonder if it's a slip of a tongue from Jesus, it was not a slip of a tongue. Jesus said, come home, come home. Because you have a good heavenly Father. What about that for think different moment, hey? Your heavenly Father loves you and He is for you. Your heavenly Father loves you and He is for you. That's why for me, knowing the price Jesus had to pay in order to make this happen because our relationship with our Heavenly Father is broken because of our own sin. You know, not because of God, but because of our own rebellion. We removed ourselves from God and it cost Jesus His life, right? To have our relationship with God restored again. So I don't know about you, but it is not acceptable to me that people out there think that the church is against this, the church is against that, the church is not for this, the church is not for that, it saddens me. And it should sadden you as a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you that. You should not be happy sitting here while people out there, over 86,000 people in our community, don't have this understanding at all about the gracious, kind, loving God that we call our Father. It shouldn't sit right with you. And that's why as a church, you know, even though there are more people familiar what the church is against rather than what the church is for, we as a faith community here, again, I'm telling you, from the beginning of this series, I said, this is more than a series for us. This is more than just a campaign for us. We want this to be the trajectory of our church. We want to be known for what we are for because God wants to be known for what He is for. God loves you unconditionally and deeply, and God is for you. It doesn't mean God approves of everything that you do. A lot of the things that you do, God doesn't approve. Not because God is a joy killer, because God knows those things that you do destroy you. 
Those things that you do break your family apart. That's why God is saddened when you do things that you're not supposed to do. Not because He's a joy killer, because He is for you. Because He is for you. And He can't wait. He can't wait to embrace you again and again and again. And I hope you know that. And I hope our church will be known for that. And I hope we will not rest until the people in our community, as much as we are able to, right, proclaim this message loud and clear that God loves them and God is for them. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit therocks.church.com.